Generosity builds. I've never been one that liked gifts. Not that I don't appreciate things. I just am a little awkward when someone gives me something as a gift. You know what I'm talking about? Like when someone gives you a gift and they just stare at you like, hey, how are you going to respond? How are you going to respond? I'm like, it's too much pressure for me. And I was like, it's so awkward when people are just waiting to see if you're going to smile and whatever, cry. I mean, my parents, when, uh, when I was younger, they tried to train me to like be grateful for any gift that I got. Like they told me to be overzealous, overjoyed. Like if they got me socks, I was like, yeah, socks, thank you, Lord. You know, and, I, and that was just growing up how I was trained to, to react when it came to gifts. So you can imagine on Christmas Day when we're all trying to outdo each other with joy when we open gifts. It's crazy. Our family is crazy. Uh, this past year, my parents went a little crazy on gifts for my children. My parents are missionaries overseas, so this is the first time that they actually got to spend Christmas with us and get us a whole bunch of gifts, and you can see the millions of gifts that they got my children. Like, they were very generous. Like, I was like, where's my living room, okay, you know? But in, in the mix of gifts, there was a pile of gifts for me. And so I start opening gifts. And I open up the first package. And what do I get? Underwear. I'm like, yes! Thank you, Lord, for underwear. And my wife is like, now you can get rid of all your old ones. I was like, whoa, hold on. Hold on. All right, that's just going to add to the collection, right? Some of us like to keep them because they're holy. And so it's like... <laughs> I was like, yeah, underwear. And uh, yeah, it's crazy. And so I started opening up another gift. And then my brother, my younger brother, he, uh, he gives me a gift that he bought me. And my brother Morgan, he's 19 years old. Uh, what, you, what you guys don't know is a few months ago, he actually moved in to live with Hannah and I when he got off of the mission field, when he graduated. And so he comes into our house and he's all happy to live with us. And I was like, my dude, you got to get a job. Like, he just, you can't just be living in our house, eating our food. You know, I, I felt like I was like an older dad. And I was like, no, you ain't going to live in my house and my roof and not pay bills, you know? And so I was like, you got to get a job. And he gets a job at Chick-fil-A, right? Chick-fil-A. And I, I'm excited. I'm like, Chick-fil-A, bring home some to me, you know? Uh, and so he, he works at Chick-fil-A. He's working hard. And while he's here, he felt called by the Lord to go to Gateway School of Ministry, and, and they're doing incredible things in School of Ministry. And so he's, he's been over the last few months working extremely hard when it comes to Chick-fil-A and bringing you guys, uh, you know, food, and, you know, and he's just like, my pleasure, uh, you know, and he's studying scriptures. And, and so when he gives me this gift, I'm like, okay, I'm going to be grateful no matter what it is. He's been working really hard. Generosity builds, I tear open the box that he got me or the wrapper and I see just the, 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 the picture of, of what the box was. It was a pair of Beats headphones. Now, if you know Beats headphones, they're very expensive. But let me give you some backstory. When my brother moved in, we started to go to the gym together to work out. I got a little segment on Instagram called Lil Bro Bro getting swole swole, you know? And so we're working out and he and I wanna listen to music while we're working out. And so he goes and buys himself a pair of Beats 
headphones. I tell my wife, I'm like, Hannah, I need to listen to music. She goes to Five Below. Live like no one else today so you can live like no one else. I was just like, five below, really, babe? Uh, so funny. And I was a little jealous when we would, we would work out because he's listening to music with noise-canceling headphones. I'm listening to music where I can barely hear the noise in my headphones. And uh, so whenever he gives me this gift, I open up the, the, the gift and I see Beats headphones. Something happened that was really weird and uncomfortable for me. I started to cry. Like, no joke. I opened it up. <laughs> like, I didn't know how to respond. I was like, thank you. Like, it felt so weird because I've never cried over a gift. And my parents are looking at me like, something's wrong with you. Like, and I'm crying. I'm like, thank you. <laughs> you know, and I've never cried over a gift. It's not that I'm, you know, don't appreciate it. It's just, it was just... It was just different, especially coming from my little brother. Generosity builds. Now, before some of you start saying, well, I know why you cried. You're getting soft, chocolate bear. You got kids now. You got a daughter. She's got you wrapped around her finger. Like, that's why you're crying. Maybe. I don't know, you know. But I, well, as I started to think about it, I understood why I actually started crying. See, I understood the fact that the gift wasn't special because of its value, but because of its value, it showed how much he valued me. Let me say that again. The gift wasn't special because of its value, but because of its value, it showed how much he valued me. Come on, you should already know the value that God has put on your life. And you can see how generous he was to us. Generosity builds. And today, as we close out this series on Nehemiah, I want us to understand that generosity builds, but you're like asking, builds what? What does generosity build? Generosity builds the kingdom of God. Generosity builds people up. Generosity builds healthy marriages. Generosity builds healthy families. Generosity builds healthy kids and children in your household to be disciples and followers of Jesus. Generosity builds faith. It builds hope. Generosity builds friendships and communities. Generosity builds you into the image of our creator. No, seriously. Generosity builds you to be more like God. Why? We serve a generous God. We serve a very generous God. Think about this. If you've been following with Nehemiah, Nehemiah had the, the burden to build the wall. He went, sacrificed his time, his effort. He's fighting opposition so that this kingdom can be built up, so that people can be restored. Parallel, parallel Nehemiah's story with the gospel of Jesus Christ. You guys all know this scripture. For God so loved the world. That was Jesus, God's his, his compassion and his burden for his lost people who are far and distant from him. For God so loved the world that he gave. God was a generous God. He was moved to action. 
But what's most important is not just the action of, the, of giving, but the actual gift. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Only son. That's a very generous gift. I would argue it's the most generous gift that you and I can receive. That whoever believes in him, he created an opportunity for you and I to be restored and have eternal life to build you up and the kingdom. See, what I think about generosity, I think the problem with generosity is I think we understand that it's more blessed to give than to receive, but we experience that it's harder to give than to receive. How do I know? It's easy to eat food. Amen, right? It's harder to go to the store, buy the food, come back, prepare a meal for someone else. That's what generosity is. So today, before I get started, I want to address the elephants in the room. Today, we are going to talk about money. It got really quiet. <laughs> today, we want to talk about money and finances. Now, I know with me just saying that, some of you in this room or online already have kind of like a, a halt. Like, what? Man, that's not the service that I wanted to go to. Or I should have just waited till next week. Maybe you even invited your neighbor, first-time guest, or you are a first-time guest. You're like, what? We're talking about money? I don't know if this is the service I should have come to. Let me address the, uh, the elephants in the room and say that I understand why it's uncomfortable to talk about finances in the church. I understand it. I get it. So because I understand that some of you, when, I, when we say finances, you have the thinking, the mentality that, man, all the church wants is my money. That's all we hear about. All the church wants, and they just talk about, is, is getting my money. Or some of you have a quick check in your spirit because you have seen the misuse of funds, finances from either the church as a whole and globally or, or ministries or people. And so you're like, ah, I don't want to talk about finance. I've seen the misuse of it. Some of you are tempted to tune out when we talk about generosity because you are a generous person. And you're like, well, this doesn't apply to me. I'm already doing what I'm supposed to. Or there's some of you guys, 2020, or even now, has been a really rough season financially, and you're saying right now in your head, I don't have much to give. I understand why it's uncomfortable talking about money in church. But can I give you just a clarifying statement? Generosity is a litmus test of lordship. Generosity and your generosity is a litmus test of who's really in charge over your life. Because I'm gonna give you a fact here, and the quicker that you understand this fact, the better you change your perspective on generosity. The fact is this, everything belongs to God. Not 10%, 100%. Psalms 24.1 talks about that the earth is the Lord's and its fullness. And the world and those therein, everything belongs to God. So if everything belongs to God, we shouldn't have an ownership mentality. We should have a stewardship mindset. What do I mean by that? It doesn't matter how much you get, whether that be a lot or a little. The question is not about what you, uh, what per, uh, you know, how much the amount, 
but it's how much you are stewarding. How are you stewarding that amount? Now, some of you are like, well, the church better use my money this way. The church better do this, or if I give, they better use it this way. Ready? Be careful you're not getting an ownership mentality. If you believe men and you believe scripture that all of it belongs to God, won't he deal with those who wrongfully use it? If it's his and everything belongs to God, won't he deal with anyone who misuses or abuses those finances? It's his, whether that be an organization or an individual. Our job is not to say where his money goes. It's just to be obedient in stewarding that finance. Generosity is a litmus test of lordship. I think generosity is even more than that. Generosity brings freedom. Generosity brings you and I freedom. It was because our God was so generous that you and I get the gift of salvation. So you can be more like God when you are generous. It's all his and it, and it all belongs to him. So the question I want you to answer and ask and within the next 20, 30 minutes, whatever amount of time we have left, is not so much, uh, you know, to learn. I mean, I want you to understand and learn, but I want you to, to have this relational moment over the next few minutes with God, and I want you to ask this question. God, how can I be more like you in generosity? God, how can I be more like you in generosity? Turn with me to Nehemiah chapter 5. Nehemiah chapter 5. Nehemiah is in the Old Testament. We've been going through it. Now, up to this point, you've understood that Nehemiah, again, had the burden to see the kingdom restored and built up. He weeped over the, this, this city. And then he, he sacrificed his time, money, whatever. He sacrificed it on. And then, then he's facing opposition, sword and trial in one hand. And he's facing opposition. But I think, though he had many hurdles leading up to this moment, I think the, the thing that almost stopped or almost hindered the progress of their building of the kingdom was actually greed. Greed. So let's look at Nehemiah chapter 5, starting in verse 1. It says this, And there was a great outcry of the people and their wives against their Jewish brethren. Let me just stop right here. This is crazy. You got these Jewish people building up the kingdom, the wall. And though they're facing opposition, the real opposition comes from their brothers, the people on their team. See, what you don't understand is that, that greed can hinder the generosity of others. And I, hopefully this is clicking with you with church today. That greed within our church, within the church globally here on earth, can hinder the generosity of others. That we can hinder the progress of building the kingdom. Verse 2, for there were those who said, we are sons and our daughters are many. Therefore, let us get grain that we may eat and live. There were also some who said, we have mortgaged our lands and vineyards and houses that we might buy grain because of the famine. 
These people have sacrificed their time. They have sacrificed their effort. They, they actually have sacrificed their jobs where they bought so much into the kingdom and building it up that they had to neglect their, their jobs and how they made a living. And their Jewish brother said, oh, I'll lend you money. I'll lend you food, but I'm going to charge extra. I'm going to charge extra. I'm going to capitalize on this, this, this time. Can you imagine that? Like you're trying to do kingdom work, but the greed of others has impacted your generosity. Come on, I don't think you guys are getting it. Some of us, which should be all of us, are doing kingdom work today, but our greed can stop that generosity, can impact that generosity. Even further, Nehemiah 5, verse 4, check this. There were those who said, we have borrowed money for the king's tax on our lands and vineyards. Yet now our flesh is as the flesh of our brethren, our children as their children. Indeed, we are forcing our sons and our daughters to be slaves. And some of our daughters have been brought into slavery. It is not our power to redeem, for other men have our lands and vineyards. Put yourself in Nehemiah's shoes. Had a burden to see restored, cast vision, sacrifice, and he's at the wall building, sword in one hand, trial in the other. He's trying to oppress, uh, to, to go against the opposition. Little did he know the attack was coming from inside the house. See, greed equals selfishness. Greed equals selfishness. Now, I know I'm talking about finances, but can I even clarify? That greed can even be the selfishness of your own preferences. Greed can also be the selfishness of, I need church to look a certain way. And when I come to service, when I come to church, I better have that front parking spot. They better have breakfast tacos. The coffee better taste a certain way. I need the Starbucks brand. I don't know why people get crazy about the different, I don't drink coffee, so I don't understand. But maybe you need Jesus. I don't know. But whenever you get to a point where your greed is distracting those who are working in the kingdom, what you do is you take the focus off of the main thing. Guys, I, I wonder if churches aren't making disciples globally because they're distracted of the greed of people within the house and that they can't do what they are called to do because of the selfishness of those behind their own wall. So if you were Nehemiah, you're probably like, well, what, guys, what are you doing? Wake up, like, why are we doing this? And that's what Nehemiah said. You go even a little bit further in verse 11. Then I, Nehemiah said, what you are doing is not good. Let me stop right there. I love that Nehemiah addressed what was evil. I pray that in our culture, there are more Nehemiahs that see the sin and the evil of our world and we address it and not become silent. I pray that there are some in this room that see what our culture is developing as to be normal, but biblically it's wrong, that there will be some Nehemiahs that step up and say, no, what you are doing is not good. He continues, should you not walk in the fear of our God? because of the reproach of the nations, our enemies, I also, with my brethren, 
and my servants and lend them money and grain. He goes, listen, I get it. They need stuff. I'm lending it too. Stop charging them extra. Stop trying to hurt your own people. Please let us stop this usury. Restore now to them even this day their lands, their vineyards, and their olive groves, and their houses also a hundred of the money and the grain, the new wine and the oil that you have charged them. What I love is they responded to that. If you keep reading, because of Nehemiah's boldness, this almost righteous anger, they said, oh, yeah, you're right. We probably shouldn't be doing that. And they restored everything back to their people. I think Nehemiah has done a lot of important things, if we're reading up to this far. He has prayed. He has weeped. He has cast vision with the people. He has fought beside him. But the most important thing that Nehemiah has done was that in the face of greed, he had generosity. That in the face of selfishness, he was generous. Generosity builds the kingdom of God. Generosity builds the kingdom of God. Now, many of you don't understand what generosity actually means. We think generosity is that we just gave something or, you know, I gave $5 to somebody. And we think that's generosity. Let me give you a quick definition to help you understand generosity. Generosity equals trust. Generosity equals trust. It's your ability to trust in God. It's, I think, the most tangible way to trust in God, right? See, I think it's easy for us earlier, we sang, even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. But God, I better see that finance working. Hold on. We get so quick to trust in everything else, but when there's something so tangible, we, we start to hope back. Generosity equals trust. I'll explain it like this a little bit. I was able to get my son for Christmas a bicycle. And I said I was able to. Actually, a friend gave it to me for free, so it was easy for me to give to my son, right? Which, side note, it's easier to give what's not yours. Again, ownership versus stewardship. And so my son, he's been riding this around. He's got his, his uh, training wheels on it. I love that he's just riding around with the spider and like, look at me. And pretty exciting. I'm, I'm looking for the day when he actually takes off these training wheels. But I thought to myself, what would it look like if you saw me riding down the street on this bike with training wheels? Like, what if you saw old big chocolate bear just riding? Should I get on it? No, come on. I saw what y'all doing to Bernie Sanders. No, pictures are going to be, <laughs> pictures will be taken quick. I'll be on all kinds of memes. If you guys saw me pedaling on this thing, riding down the street, you'd be like, what in the world? What is this big guy doing? Like, if he don't take off them training wheels, if he won't get a bigger bike than a Spider-Man bike, let me explain what I mean by this illustration. Tithes, what we learn biblically, to mean literally 10, a tenth or 10% in obedience time to the Lord, is like having training wheels in your walk or better term, ride with, with the Lord when it comes to generosity. Tithing is the training wheels that gets you started. 
and you're pedaling. And you're like, look at me go. I'm riding down the street. Generosity is when you take the training wheels off and now you have to trust a little bit in the father that is walking side by side with you until you're ready to grow. That's the difference. The difference is when it, generosity, whenever, whenever you're like asking God how much you should give back to him, 10% being the standard, but maybe he wants to get, have you give more. And you're asking yourself, well, God, that, that don't make sense. That's a lot. But if it caused you to say, well, all right, God, I trust you, that's generosity. If, you're, if we're having a big gift that we're giving to a missionary or whatever, and, and God puts a number in your mind for you to, to give and bless, and you're like, oh, God, this don't make sense, that's a lot. I could use it for something else. But then you say, well, God, it hurts. It don't make sense, but I trust you. That's generosity. On the flip side, if it doesn't cause you to trust, then maybe you're not as generous as you think. If it's just too easy for you, then maybe it's not as generous as you think. If you, I'm sorry, I don't want to keep stepping on toes. That's not my intent. But if you can't give generously, then maybe you can't trust God fully. You can't give generously, then maybe you can't trust God fully. Generosity builds the kingdom of God. A lack of generosity is to say that your kingdom is more important than his. It's to say that his is more important, or that yours is more important than his. And I'm gonna keep to build my kingdom. I pray, I pray that we steward so well that Gateway Fellowship Church, scratch that, that every Christ believer, every Christ follower would be known as someone that is generous. What's sad is there's an outside world that understands the generous culture. There's an outside world, outside of the Christian bubble, that understands being generous. I think Christians should be the most generous people on this earth, not with just finances, but with time, with love, and with care. Generosity builds. And if you see, after, after 52 days, it's crazy, Nehemiah, the Jewish people, actually finished building this wall. I think it's because they were generous with, with everything. They generous with their time, their money, their effort. And then, I think it's super cool, that because of the generosity of Nehemiah, now the people start putting a, a, a priority on being generous. They prioritize something that they once neglected. Let's check a look in Nehemiah chapter 10. Nehemiah chapter 10, starting in verse 35, it says this. And we made ordinances, which is a covenant, a commitment, to bring the leftovers. No, I don't say that, right? What did it say? Can y'all read? Uh, okay, I'm not, I'm not by myself today. It says they, they made ordinances to bring the? Here's what I want you to do. Every time there it says first fruits, I want you to shout it out with me, okay? Just a little bit of interaction. I'm testing you guys. Ready? Verse 35, and we made ordinance to bring the of our ground and the of all the fruit 
of all trees year by year to the house of the Lord to bring the firstborn. That was a trick. Some of you are like, first fruits, first fruits. Firstborn of our sons and our cattle. And it's written in the law and the good of all the herds and our flocks to the house of our God, to the priests who minister in the house of our God to bring the of our dough, our offerings, the fruit from all the kinds of trees, the new wine and oil to priests, to the storerooms of the house of our God. See, there's a principle about the first, not the leftovers, not the second, but the first. But here's the second principle when it comes to tithing and generosity. It's about giving a, a tithe. And so every time it says tithe, I want you to say tithe, okay? You guys were doing good. Ready? Storerooms of the house of our God and to bring the of our land to the Levites. For the Levites should receive the in all our farming communities. And the priests, the descendant of Aaron, shall be with the Levites. When the Levites receive, and the Levites shall bring up a tenth of the, you guys are good, to the house of our God, to the rooms of our storehouse, of the storehouse. For the children of Israel, the children of Levi shall bring the offering of the grain, of the new wine, and oil. Did I skip that? <laughs> to, the, to the store was where the articles of the sanctuary are, where the priests who minister, the gatekeepers, and the singers are. And ready? This next line, you have your Bible, underline, highlight, whatever. But check out this bold statement that they say. Ready? We will not neglect the house of our God. We will not neglect the house of our God. Gateway Fellowship, I would pray that you could say that so confidently every time you get a paycheck. I would pray that you say that so confidently every time you get a gift. I would, I would pray that you say that so confidently when you're looking at your time and how much time is left in the service. I would, I would pray that whenever we come in and we see so many other people volunteering and serving, that we would be able to say that confidently, that when you walk here into the building or when you think about our church, you will say, we will not neglect the house of our God. I will not neglect the house of our God. That's my deepest prayer. When we look at the house of God, we won't neglect. I love that generosity built, was built on generosity, and it keeps building. See, with Nehemiah, he was actually sent off from Artaxerxes, who said, hey, you can go, and I take these resources. And Nehemiah goes, okay, I'm going to use my time, my effort, my resources. And now these people are saying, oh, because of Nehemiah's generosity, now we're going to be generous unto the Lord. If you've been blessed, then bless others. If you've been blessed and bless others. It's real simple. Be like God and be generous. Now, this is not just a financial principle. This is also with the gospel of Jesus Christ. That if you have been blessed and God has generously given you a new life, then generously give that to somebody else. Don't hold on to it. See, God doesn't often asks you to give up something that you don't have. He asks you to give up something that you want to keep. Generosity builds on generosity. So I'm excited because when I was thinking about how I was going to end this sermon, I thought about two groups of people. 
whether you're online or here, one, maybe you've never tithed before. Maybe you haven't even put on the training wheels. It's okay. I understand that. Maybe it's a commitment thing. Maybe you just, you had the elephants in the room. We're going to create an opportunity for you to test God. You know, in Malachi 3, verse 10, it says this, bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may, that there may be food in my house. This is God speaking. And then he says, and try me, a.k.a. test me. Now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. Come on, who wants that kind of blessing? I do. We'll test him. So here's what we're going to do. For those who just never made that decision to actually just tithe, just be obedient in the tithe, we're going to test and put up a 90-day tithe challenge. We've got all these challenges in our culture. Why don't we test something that's actually biblical? 90-day tithe challenge is this. For 90 days, commit to tithing. And if in 90 days the Lord doesn't bless you, email us. We'll return all of it back, no questions asked. That's how confident we are in the word of God. But before you do that, I want to show you just a couple, a small group, leaders, who have put God to the test the last time we did a 90-day challenge. Let's look at the screen at Chris and Stacy Poole. When I discovered Tuesday Night Recovery, and I got a lot of healing there, um, I got so much he healing that I just rededicated my life to the Lord. I also attended Tuesday Night Recoveries. I attended a few months after I started going to Gateway. And that same year, I surrendered and was baptized. Tithing for me was more of a fear. I, I wanted to tithe, and I knew that I wanted to give, but I was so afraid that I was going to be giving my next can of formula for the baby, or my next tank of gas to get to work. It, it was a struggle for me. Um, it was a struggle to give at first, especially coming from a, a sale. I was got into sales, so checks vary from month to month. And... You, you don't get paid consistently. One Sunday at church, there was a challenge that they issued. It was a 90-day challenge to tithe. And that challenge to me just really convicted me to, if I had gotten this far, if I trusted it with my finances this far, then I'm going to take this challenge and, and see if I can finish the 90 days. It's just 90 days. And I filled out my card, and I was very excited to tithe after that. I, I felt so... I felt relieved, but I also felt so excited to give again for my next check and to give again and to give again. I just, I wasn't worried about money anymore. Even if I didn't have enough, it didn't matter. The funny thing is we met shortly after the 90-day challenge. I mean, within probably weeks after. I definitely see, like, that during that 90-day challenge, you know, some people talk about getting checks in the mail. Some people talk about different things. I think the Lord blessed me with Stacy. The fact that we both did this challenge and tithing was something that was put on our heart as a burden before we got married. It made it, it made one thing about marriage that most people or a lot of people would struggle with really easy for us. We didn't fight about money. We didn't argue. We knew, first of all, we knew where the first of the money was going and that was non-negotiable for either of us. And that made it a lot easier to stay faithful. Looking back on 2020 and I know 2020 was just a crazy year for everyone. I got married to my best friend. I became a father, 
I mean, the Lord has just blessed us tremendously throughout this whole year, and it's just been, it's been great. The freedom that you get by trusting in him, even the first time you, you tithe, you're going to be amazed at the feeling it gives you and the freedom it gives you and the ability to really handle stress and worry in other parts of your life as well. So cool, right? All the single people right now should be like, man, I'm doing this challenge. <laughs> Just kidding. Maybe, uh, you never know. 90-day time challenge. Test God in it. See if he doesn't bless you. So confident. You know why I'm confident too? You can't outgive God. You can't. You can try. You can't. So here's what I want to do. I'm going to give some instruction. You're in person in their seat back pockets. There's a card, the 90-day tithe challenge. If you're ready to make that commitment, I challenge you right now to start filling it out. You can do it right now as I talk. So I got to give you time and fill out and pray about it. I mean, don't just be emotional about it. This is a, a, this is a step that I don't want you to be doing this because Chocolate Bear, the guy on stage, he said to do it. No, 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 this is between you and the Lord. You make that commitment. If you're online, you can do this, mygateway.tv forward slash 90 day. And you can set up just a time for you to be committed in this, okay? So I'm gonna give you guys some time to fill that out. Now I wanna address those I said there was two people that I, I was praying for. The second one was maybe that you have been generous and you have been obedient in the tithe. First, I want to say thank you. Seriously, thank you. Your generosity is helping build the kingdom of God. But here's what I'd like you to do. If you've been generous and you've been giving faithfully, obedient, I want you to go back to that first question. God, how can I be more like you in generosity. See, because God, if he's the standard of generosity, man, there might, he might ask you to give more. He might ask you to give more of your time, your effort. I, I don't know. I don't want to limit it with me just giving ideas. I want you to spend time with the Lord. Think about how you can be more like him in generosity. So I'm going to give you guys 30 seconds. 30 seconds. Where are you in this room? Maybe bow your head and close your eyes. Maybe you're online, just bow your head and close your eyes. And for 30 seconds, I want you to ask the question to the Lord, God, how can I be more like you in generosity? Some of you, God is speaking. He might be telling you to give more. Some of you might be saying, give more time. Some of you, God might be saying, take responsibility for lost souls. Whatever it is, hold on to it. Hold on to it. Father, thank you, God, that you are a generous God. Thank you, God, that you didn't give leftovers, but you gave your very best that we can have eternal life in you. 
God, help us just to be more like you. I know we talked about money, but God, I just want to be more like you. Father, sometimes when we're coming from the ruins, it hurts and it takes effort and it takes time. But God, we want to be built up, build your kingdom up for your glory. So God, help us to be more like you. In your name, amen. Will you guys stand with me? Right now, I think it's only appropriate that we worship the Lord with our tithes and our offering and our giving. So if you give online or you give regularly or have automated the important, you can do that at mygateway.tv forward slash give. Or if you brought your physical offering, awesome. You can drop it in a bucket as you leave. Those who have filled out these cards, you can drop it in an offering bucket as you leave. Honestly, we just want to pray with you. But if you've made this commitment now, whether you're online or in person, can I take you guys a step further? I think it's easy, or I say easy, but maybe it's, it's a little bit easier to make a commitment to doing something. It's another to actually do it. So if you're here in person and you've been wrestling, but now you just want to commit. I'm going to say, take out your phone right now, whether you have uh, uh, Hopefully you have Wi-Fi, but, <laughs> but you can go to mygateway.tv forward slash give. And right now in the most precious of moments, this is a holy sacrificial time to worship the Lord. You can give set up through that. Can we pray? I just feel like I want to pray because I think the enemy wants to bring doubt and fear to those who want to give or have the heart to give. And, and, and I think there's gonna be some, some breakthroughs for some people's lives when they actually first give. You know, we've heard through some, so many stories of, yeah, they, people gave and then they, a, a check came in the mail miraculously. We've heard of people who, who gave and were obedient and they had back pain and was instantly healed. I think God can do some incredible things if you break that stronghold of an ownership mentality of your finances. So I want to pray with you guys as we give, as you give, and that we glorify the Lord. Father, right now, thank you, Father, for moving, Lord. Thank you, God, that you are a generous God. Lord, right now, I pray for everyone that's in here whether they have a lot or a little, where they've been generous or not, Lord. God, I pray right now that we are more like you. Father, that we get rid of the strongholds in our life that hold us back from being more like you. But God, that right now, that some of us make a commitment and a decision to detest you, Lord. Father, that you would pour out the blessings from heaven, God. That you would pour out your spirit upon us, God. God, that we would have more of you as we less lessen ourselves, that we empty ourselves, that we would be filled with your spirit, filled with your boldness, filled with your joy, and we will be marked by your generosity, that the world would know that you are a generous God because of our generosity. God, do something miraculous and crazy to your people so that we can be a light into a dark world, Lord. We love you. We glorify you, God. We honor you in everything we do. And all God's people said, amen, amen.